You're listening to a podcast from the Media Motel. Coming up this week in episode 488, what the sneak peek of the Beatles' new movie reveals. Amazing Grace, the legacy of Aretha Franklin. And look out, it's the Meghan and Harry podcast. That's all coming up after the Beatles and two of us. Two of us riding nowhere, spending someone's Recorded on 31st of January 1969 in the Apple basement in Savile Row, London. Mm. This is a remix version supervised by Paul McCartney from the album Let It Be Naked, The mm. Beatles and Two of Us. Uh, I mean, it's, it's interesting because I really love that version. I think it's a lovely and quite a sweet moving song anyway, really, if you take the context of the relations between the Beatles absolutely collapsing at that point. It is it is very poignant. But it's, I, I think Let It Be Naked is just it's such a great album simply because all it did was scrape away the kind of the film <laughs> of, of Phil Spector yes. from the the Spectre of Spectre, if, as you were, from, the, uh, yeah. from the, the, the original version Let It Be. I'm surprised. I'm surprised it's not more heralded, really. I'm surprised there wasn't a bigger do about it because, of course, now any time anything by the Beatles is released, yeah. everyone, as we'll discuss, everyone goes completely nuts for it, and there's this huge kind of PR operation around it. There didn't seem to be much of a circus for Let It Be Naked, and yet it's brilliant. No, you're right. It just seemed to creep out, really, in the early mm. 2000s, and it's just sat there ever since. And again, I take your point entirely. Uh, mm. In the last sort of 10 or so years, anything new-ish Beatle-related has been treated as, you know, Moses, Moses getting the tablets of stone. But, you know, this just uh, is rather unheralded. It's mm, a really great I completely album. agree. Mm. Well, hello, hooray, and welcome to the latest from the Parish Council. It's episode four. 
488. I'm Terence Dackerman. Let's just check. Has she been deplatformed? It's Juliet Harris. I mean, it's surely only a matter of time before that happens. But no, I'm still I'm still allowed to spew my uh, my individual brand of hatred across the across the nation's media platform. So thank goodness for that. Hello, everyone. Over Christmas, uh, director Peter Jackson released what has been called a sneak peek of his upcoming movie, Mm. Get Back, a fresh look at the Beatles based on film footage recorded in January 1969. And the movie Let It Be was released in 1970. The Beatles never really happy with it, blocked further releases. Um, For example, it's never been issued on DVD. Mm. Now, before we find out what um, you think about it, Jules, um, or the sneak peek of Get Back. Mm. I watched I watched the original uh, movie of Let It Be mm. yesterday, and it re- did reinforce why the Beatles didn't like it. The sound is tinny. Mm. The film's very grainy and dark. There's too many boring and kind of bleak moments mm. um, that made it into the film. And of course, with no um, music producer like George Martin around or or any time concerns, the Beatles they have freedom. Um, of course, but they use that time rather like um, like like a class of fourteen year old boys when the teacher is out of the room. They they, they just <laughs> they just spend way too long on tedious jam sessions and kind of musical larking about. But Jules, the old Let It Be movie actually starts with Roadie Mel Evans in the first frame, and oddly enough, so does this new short preview. Mm. What, what are your feelings having watched the? Have you? I got a feeling. What are your feelings having watched the? <laughs> Very good. Yeah, uh, watch the four minutes fourteen seconds of the sneak peek of get back well i'm really looking forward to it and um, i'm one of these people that will lap up most Beatles related content so obviously i'm very excited to see it i i can't remember the last time i saw the original let it be film i probably watched it as a teenager when i went through a phase of watching all their films but like like you say it hasn't been re-released on dvd so that limits obviously the audience that can see it i think my friend's dad had a hooky vhs of the original film so i remember it being super great like you yeah. say it wasn't in in sort of a brilliant way and I, of course i i don't i've either owned or or have better quality recordings of most of the other films but i i've never revisited that really and also like you say it was quite depressing really wasn't it the sound wasn't great you know and I guess that films are always made with an agenda, aren't they? There's always an edit for a film and you and there's usually, particularly with documentary style films as well, there's usually more than one story that you can tell. You know, if you you could edit footage to show a particular mood or a particular kind of vibe, as it were. Also, I suspect that the four Beatles each have a different version of events as well. <laughs> so you could probably do four different versions depending on different people's accounts and their feelings about it. I suspect that John Lennon's and Paul McCartney's accounts would would differ very deeply so to some extent you think when you see this sort of new cheerier version well you know maybe it's just a different you know there would have been good days and bad days in the studio maybe this is just a collection of the good days in the studio rather than necessarily the bad days but they still count don't they so you're always if you're trying to make a film and tell a story you're always tempted to leave out stuff that doesn't fit the version of what you're telling the story i remember i was very taken with meet i can't remember what it was called now i think it was called meeting meeting people is easy there was a, a tour film made about radiohead um and it came out um it came out sort of some years ago now i think i had it on on vhs and then oh yeah it is called meeting people is easy i i had it on vhs and then i, I upgraded and that told a very kind of not exactly bleak story but it it presented the band whilst they were touring OK Computer and they all appear to be completely exhausted there's a particularly harrowing sequence where they shoot the video for no surprises which is Tom York with a huge glass dome over his head make him look like an astronaut which fills up with water as the song continues and he ends up oh you know obviously over the top of his head and of course there were very harrowing scenes where he has to hold his breath for the whole thing and of course sometimes he can't and i have to pull him out and he gets quite distressed but then having said that so the whole thing makes basically makes being a rock star look not massive amounts of fun (laughs) even the rather nice sidemen they interview i think it's colin greenwood at one point the bass player and he gets the point he just goes 
I have nothing more to say about this. I'm really sorry. They just seem completely plastered with tiredness. And yet when one of them, I think Ed O'Brien said, well, of course, if he'd come the next week, we went scuba diving off somewhere in, in the Southern Hemisphere and we mm. had an absolutely great time. So it's it always goes to show that, that you know, maybe the most the most accurate type film is you know has the highs and the lows in it and from from this kind of sneak peek this mostly seemed to be highs but having said that if that's the film that he wanted to make and also it works as a companion piece to let it be i suppose really if that mm. let it be shows the warts and and this sort of new the get back film shows a lot more of the kind of the happy times you know, it's it's. I can understand why they sort of want to do that. Really, it's it's. I'm 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 trying to find the. Um, I've I've read an article about it in the Rolling Stone magazine, which sort of talked in in detail. But the the thing that really made me laugh was uh, they've been interviewed to uh, to to sort of the uh, you know they, they they've interviewed some of the Beatles to two of the remaining Beatles to explain it. Ringo Starr said there were hours and hours of us just laughing and playing music, not at all like the version that came out. There was a lot of joy, and I think Peter will show that. I think this version will be a lot more peace and loving to use his lovely phrase. Um, like we really were and then of course um, <laughs> needless to say Ringo's thoughts go on to promote his new EP that of is due course. out in March zoom in um, I uh, bless him he, this, I know that we're always at the mercy of how we are quoted by journalists but his reflections on the pandemic I was disappointed that the pandemic got in the way of my two tours this year he oh, told God. Rolling Stone well thank goodness you know that that's the main mm. issue isn't it really Ringo and it gave me a couple of miserable days because I want to play well if he's got through the pandemic with two miserable days then you know maybe we should all try and be Ringo Starr I don't know but he did some he did some painting which I suppose we will all have to sit through at some point but um no I'm looking I'm looking forward to the film I think it will be nice like you say to to see the light as well as the shade and also just from a purely nerdy perspective I could sit and watch the Beatles in the studio for hours on end if the sound is good and the and the picture quality is decent seeing them up close or working together seeing musicians up close as we'll go we'll go on to, to talk later on i just love it if there's a band that you love to see their process i think is great yes i mean looking at the um original lindsay hogg footage this week i mean i thought it's interesting that um it reminded me i suppose rather that all of these seemingly endless filmed rehearsals at Twickenham were meant to be a precursor for a huge gig they were planning at this Roman amphitheatre in Tunisia and that was supposed to be their big sort of finish as it were and of course instead of that it never happened and they, they settled on the famous rooftop concert in mm. Savile Row which by the way is when the original Let It Be movie only takes off. It's it's still genuinely yes. thrilling to see those last... It's the last 20 minutes of the film. Absolutely, I agree. And the whole thing comes alive. And looking at the that original grainy footage, we say, against the beautifully restored version in the sneak peek video, I mean, I think we could be in for a big treat. It, it does um, have the blessing, as I think you alluded to, of Paul, mm. Ringo, Yoko and Olivia Harrison. It should show as you say, a much happier, positive representation of the Beatles in 1969. It's been put back for release to August 2021 as they want to release it in uh, the movie theatres rather than um, initially on you know, streaming services. So looking forward to that. Absolutely. Coming up next, the gospel legacy and family ties of Aretha Franklin. And that is right after Aretha.
that Aretha tune for a couple of reasons really. Firstly, because obviously I knew we were, were three reasons. Firstly, because I knew we were going to talk about Aretha. Secondly, because it's absolutely incredible. Mm-hmm. I mean, why why wouldn't you want to pick that really? And thirdly, as we're going to, to talk, um, it's, a, it's a brilliant, brilliant song and it's actually... Um, her sister was involved in the writing of it. So uh, it was... It was uh, she wrote it and anybody that heard it wanted to record it um patty one of the levettes i think asked to a bit betty levette asked to record it and of course it really ended up being given to aretha and i think there was some regret that carolyn didn't keep it for herself because it's it's just i think such an incredible piece of writing and it's uh, well we'll go on to talk there was alleged to be some some more interesting inspiration behind it but i i just think that is wonderful and like like i've said previously aretha franklin i think is the best interpreter of other people's material i think she just knows where to find something new in whatever is given to her really i think she's a an astonishing interpreter of tunes that was uh aretha franklin and it was ain't no way yeah it's a great track from the lady soul album there's two mm. two odd things i think about it. it was one it was um tucked away as a b-side to since yes. she's been gone which as you say for such a brilliant track strange fate really well and so I'm, was say a little prayer really. indeed it was <laughs> yeah i know very odd decision making really at the, the record company yeah making. i mean who still plays the house that jack built yeah. <laughs> which is great but you know it's it's not mm. the song is it the other odd thing is, uh, as, as you mentioned, that her sister who wrote it um, and seemed to initially want to mm. record it, it ended up not recording it and singing backup vocals mm. Aretha. And that's the the fate of her sister in this way. I mean, her her other sister, Irma, at least had, I think, a, a something of a recording career and had one big hit, yes. if I remember correctly. But um, her sister, Carolyn... Um, just it's it's almost a, a a tragic tale really of being in the shadow of Aretha. Mm, absolutely, there was a really interesting article about um, about Carolyn Franklin on the um, on the the Guardian website this week by Fraser Morris, which I recommend that people would read actually if they're interested in this. Um, oh, by the way, the high pitched operatic female voice on "Ain't No Way" um, in the background that you could also hear alongside Aretha is Sissy Houston, mother of Whitney Houston, oh. aunt of Dionne Warwick. So, um, so yeah, there's a there's a lot of people going on at once there. But yeah, Ka- Carolyn. She was mostly over overlooked. It's um, it's just her lovely description here in the Guardian. Her life and career as a songwriter, backing vocalist and solo artist, though cut short, is one of frustrated opportunity, hidden identity, and fantastic accomplishment. Well, that's what I'm aiming for from my life personally. Mm-hmm. I mean, she she and again we'll go to talk about Aretha in a bit. She very mm. much came from the gospel background that they both did. Um, she became friends with Mary Wilson of all people at school, and um, who of course went on to be a supreme. So you you forget how interconnected all of these people's lives this were. It's all think, in really. Detroit, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And um the the sort of the um she she um she did various backing vocals. She and Irma did um they did the backing vocals on Aretha's Respect and the backing vocals I think sort of made that record really. They also did A Natural Woman, Daydreaming. Um she Carolyn was writing for Aretha's first two albums. Um there's always been these kind of, and the article Elizabeth, there's always been these kind of whispers that uh, Carolyn Franklin was probably gay and that might have maybe 
it was a very different time, put it that way. And the Ain't No Way is possibly a coded address to a secret lesbian lover. Uh, the lyrics are, stop trying to be someone you're not, which is quite interesting, although that some people have rebutted that. So who knows, maybe that going on in the background, like I say, you know, that would not have been okay as far as in the 60s, no. obviously. And, and maybe that was something that held her back, I don't know. But it's, it's such a shame that... Um, that that she just like you say that she was this incredible writer yet she she never seemed to it never seemed to take off it just um there's someone that talks here that that blames it on um lack of support from the label in budgeting and promotion they were interested in capitalizing on the aretha franklin phenomenon but didn't really have a vision for her it's really strange she complained herself about um being a being uh, caught in the kind of the shadow apparently that the family connection was always a bit of an advantage if you wanted to be a writer but not so much if you wanted to be a singer really there and i think you know history is littered with we've talked about fractious sibling relationships in bands before Mm. but i think history is also littered with siblings and children of of you know big famous people who have really struggled to make their own way in the same field i mean think of all the beatles kids that have tried to have careers and Mm. music careers and it just you can't get away from the fact that your son-so's daughter or so-and-so's sister. And it does show what a massive, phenomenal star Aretha Franklin was, that it was so difficult for Carolyn to get out of her shadow. But I am sorry. I think her work deserves reappraisal. Yes, uh, I, I think so. Uh, of course, it's not a huge uh, catalogue, so it's quite easy to just find and listen to uh, the Carolyn Franklin tracks that one can. Now, some time ago, going back to Aretha, I, I picked Aretha Franklin's "I Say a Little Prayer" as a as a track mm. that helped me get along for a while when I was a very unhappy twelve year old. It it, it Gosh, wasn't actually yeah. it wasn't the lyrics so much. It was uh, it was when it came out in nineteen sixty eight, um, mm. and it, it wasn't the the lyrics. It, it it wasn't anything quite as literal as that. It was Aretha's mm. voice. It yeah. sort of enveloped me at a yeah. time in my life when I needed to be sort of enveloped, and mm. I think I wanted Aretha as a sort of surrogate mother absolutely then, i don't blame you like james taylor being my secret dad this is, i don't blame you at all it, she's so <laughs> reassuring isn't she it would it would aretha as a mother and james taylor as a father would be a really great uh surrogate <laughs> what a family although yeah. if you wanted a recording career you'd obviously struggle to get out their shadows <laughs> yeah. but anyway um anyway then i bought her album aretha now which was the the mm. album that had to say a little prayer on and it it Actually, Aretha now follows our important rule: ten tracks, all done in twenty-nine minutes thirty mm, seconds. Well done, Aretha. That is, yeah. you know, you you get in, you get out again, and that is it. I've never stopped loving Aretha, and that album since I play it at least every month. Mm. Now there was a, there was a real treat on BBC Television over the Christmas holiday: the TV premiere of Amazing Grace, showing the recording of the most successful gospel album of all time, and it it was. It was rather moving, Jules. It was absolutely brilliant, wasn't it? And there was a not a bad talking heads kind of half an hour clip show afterwards of about three or four people talking about her. I think it might have been put out when she passed away. Had people like Beverly Knight, and that is worth seeking out if you haven't seen it. But yeah, I didn't, the film I didn't is, watch that. I just watched the the movie. It's, yeah. it's all right actually, the Talking mm. Heads thing. But um, and it's got lots of footage from when she sang at Obama's inauguration as well, which oh is, gosh, bless her, is, yeah, is really lovely. And and him crying, and it is just so great. So the uh, interestingly, the film. Uh, I think Carolyn Franklin uh, might be in the film there is a oh no it isn't carolyn there's a there's i think clarence franklin that is in the film there's there's yeah, uh, right. various people in it the 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 cameos by mick jagger sydney pollock and <laughs> charlie watts are as enjoyable as they are unexpected frankly but anyway uh it's uh it's it's basically a sort of a concert film um it had, i hadn't anticipated what an unhappy genesis it had really um which which rather i very much enjoyed the film just being in being in the presence of Aretha and the gospel kind of thing only added it to it really I'm not really a a religious person but seeing her sing this music in this church was actually really spiritual I think and really moving it was there was something there was definitely another power going on behind that music it was it was incredible but it was meant to be released in 1972 but it wasn't because they had real difficulties synchronizing the audio with the visual print 
And when I say they had significant difficulties in 1972, it was pulled out of the Warner Brothers vaults in 2007. So they basically just gave up on it. Mm. Um, Alan Elliott saw the, the, the raw footage and they tried to synchronise it. It was pared down to 87 minutes. So there was obviously a lot more of that originally of this concert. Um, but it was meant to come out in 2011. But um, Franklin was dead against it. She was. She tried. She sued him for appropriating her likeness without permission. He tried to get it out again in 2015. She sued him again for unpublished reasons. And then eventually, when she passed away in 2018, her family made an arrangement to release the film. So I'd be interested to know why she was so dead against it being released. That that's interesting. It did slightly take the edge off when I read that because it did make me think. Well, I feel a little bit bad that I've just really enjoyed something that. Aretha Franklin didn't want me to see but having said that maybe artists aren't always the the best judge but I think it's I think it's incredible I just I just think to be in that kind of um in that sort of that that atmosphere is just so wonderful I think it is it is so well done and you just I think you really see her you know the real height of her power in that I think is is just something else I I it's sold quite a lot I think it's been released commercially on DVD and sold and I just I, I, I also love the idea that it was just on that's what that's one of the things I like about Christmas and New Year there's just loads of random stuff on TV isn't there and you just and it's just so nice just to be able to think on a Saturday night oh do you know what I do I watch Aretha Franklin at the absolute height of her gospel based powers on BBC Two for an hour and a half it's, it's wonderful I couldn't recommend it enough I partly wish the movie had been digitally enhanced. There was a mm. there was a hair in the gate of one of the cameras, and that sort of caught my eye. <laughs> I but mean, I don't think many people watch it for that level of detail. Maybe but not. Yes, but I'm, I'm with you. The only slightly graininess, though, I thought gave it a sort of air, authenticity. Mm, absolutely. The film quality was nowhere near as poor as, for example, the oh, original absolutely. footage of Let It Be that we talked about earlier. Now it's quite touching, I think, how Aretha. She's only 29 when this is filmed, but she's been she'd been through such a lot in life. And she sort of totters out nervously when to the piano when she's introduced and mm. her eyes are darting everywhere. Um, but as soon as she starts singing, mm. she's transformed. And as the cameras pan the crowd uh, and pan the choir, mm. you you can see people are deeply emotionally moved by her mm. extraordinary singing. And um, as you mentioned, yeah, the camera even catches Mick Jagger and Charlie Watts at the back of the church. But um, it's just found some fascinating aspects of this. Aretha's father is introduced and he gives a little speech mm. and there's a... Um, you know that's really nice, and it, it, but there's a couple of odd but kind of touching moments when Aretha she takes a break from singing and wanders down to her father in the front row of the congregation and almost absent-mindedly brushes some dust away from his trouser <laughs> leg, and then just after that, in the middle of one of her songs, her father gets up from the congregation. She's in the middle of a song, pops up to her while she's at the piano and sort of mops her brow quite vigorously. Oh, wow. Like, like a, yeah, a little that was child, lovely. you know, she is glowing rather excessively, it must be said, but you know, it's rather like you <laughs> would do. are we all, Terence? <laughs> yes. Anyway, terrific movie, a treat to see Aretha mm. and James Cleveland, who is a sort of um, master of ceremonies. Yes. For that. Great to see the, uh, her in such an intimate venue. Recommended Aretha Franklin, Amazing Grace. Which truly is, I think. It's it's just a, a phenomenal experience. That I'd say it was an experience rather than a film, really. I felt like I was there. Very much so. The, the number of cameras and the intimacy and the placing mm. of the cameras is so great that you really are part of the... Uh, part of the uh, it's not a stage, is it? Altar, I suppose one would say. Yeah. You're in the room. You're in the room, yeah. Coming right up, we listen to another podcast. It's Meghan, Harry and the Archwell Holiday Special. (laughs) That's next after the Christians. The doubt of work sends the out-of-work man to city of hope and a home. No one does yet hear another to slam. Yes, he's homeless, he's hopeless, alone Row upon row, castles in Spain Make up a fool's paradise I still born brainchild of a man with no brain The ballot box, baby, that died And they promised us the world 
Scream a young dreamer's lost in the night, along with the young will to live, along with the masses that gave up the fight. A fight for a reason to live, and they promised us the Is essentially the greatest hits, but remixed and reimagined with new orchestration. It is in a rather strange and awful week. I found it compelling to listen to this song again about devastating homelessness in America and by extension across the world. Um, with a song illustrating that from the 2017 album Sings and Strings, the Christians and Hooverville. Nice to hear that, actually. I enjoyed it. I, I often hear, th- when you pick things to the podcast, I hear things that aren't familiar to me at all, and I almost always really like them, and that's n- you know, very much a case in point. That's no exception. Mm. Now, we thought we might give a little shout-out to a new podcast, <laughs> where they need a boost, obviously. Absolutely. Uh, they've just released their first episode on Spotify, with whom it's believed they have struck a deal worth $50 million to add to their $100 million deal with Netflix. Um, So Mm. welcome to Meghan and Harry, the Duchess and Duke of Sussex, and their audio holiday special. Um, It's got contributions from a wide range of pals, uh, Deepak Chopra, Elton John, James Mm. Corden, George the Poet. I like him. He's great. Yes, yes. It's just a very... um, Wow, eclectic mix yes, of uh, guests, I have to say. Um, Meghan and Harry, they begin by saying, as we all know, it's been a year. And in fact, a year that Harry repeatedly insists on referring to as 2020. Mm. Um, Jules, you've lent your ears to Meghan and Harry and this holiday special. Uh, will you be a regular subscriber to their output? I've tried to make a New Year's resolution, which yep. is to try yep. and and 
be less squashy down of stuff that yeah. I don't enjoy and to try and appreciate the fact that if I don't enjoy something, other people might. And, you know, amongst, you know, we're living in a world where, you know, there are loads of people in this country, particularly now, who are either unwell, worried about relatives, worried about losing their jobs. I don't I don't want to harsh anyone's mellow too much. I don't apply that rule to, to, to Harry and Meghan because I don't feel that they are in any kind of financial difficulty as illustrated by the deal with with Spotify. Mm. I have a lot of sympathy for Harry in that I cannot imagine what it would have been like for him growing up in that bizarre world that is nothing like anything that you or I know, I suspect, and and then losing his mum in full public view and having to go through that time must have been, well, I can understand why that why that was so difficult to him and, I, and, and for him. And I really admire him and his brother for stepping up and talking about mental health issues because they, they don't discriminate. I know, you know, that people would say, oh, well, it's easier for the royal family, blah, blah, blah. But it must have been tremendously difficult for him. And I do... I do appreciate and see and respect the the you know that how they're bringing that forward him and his brother and I'm sorry that they seem to be so estranged at the moment but I I mean you know I I like him and Megan but I I I don't know I, this was all a bit LA for me now I think I that they you know I get that they've kind of gone abroad and, and trying to sort of build build out their own career and I and I suspect this is probably well intended I'm not you know I don't want to say that they're doing this in a malign way but I don't know it's it's it, I think this does the, I didn't listen to very much of it because I just found it difficult to listen to because for me it just seemed I don't want to use the word smug but it just seemed a bit disconnected from what's going on for people at the moment and it did seem a little bit oh hey guys like you say it was a bit you know 2020 and it, it, it just didn't feel especially authentic to me is my is my interpretation of it be interesting to see once they get get you know if they have I didn't listen to anything involving guests so so if they have guests on maybe I have a lot of time for George the Poet actually once you said his name I thought mm. oh well maybe because his own podcast is excellent so so maybe you know maybe if they have guests that might that might you know make make things a bit more authentic although when you said the name James Corden I didn't feel that so much I must admit but um I, I don't know it's I can see you know I, I can see I think I can see what they're trying to do but I'm I don't know it left me uh, it left me a little bit cold I must admit it didn't I, did, I didn't relate to it very much it has it has the feel of a very earnest NPR production, mm. and it also does feel cosily distant from the reality of the modern world. Harry sounds like Harry, but with a, a determined effort to sound like someone who's not been to the best prep schools. Yes, in it, absolutely. It, it, but it, did, it almost bordered on Mockney in places, yes, which I found yeah. surprising. It r- reminded me of uh, when Tony Blair seemed to consciously yes. downplay his previous public school accent. Back I mean, I recognise that. I, I did it myself. I, I had a, a, a very posh accent when I was at school it was drummed into you you know you 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 were beaten over the hands if you didn't uh, speak correctly and i i have downplayed you know that the rest of my life but on the other hand megan i think actually is an excellent presenter she's got a very warm yes, calm that's true, style actually yeah she's so a I, genuine I, natural yeah, i think she is but but then she comes from that world doesn't she, mm, she comes from exactly the she's a professional world. Yeah, she's got. I mean, I agree. I think the bits with her on, I thought were were considerably better. But quite, quite what they're going to find to present over coming months, I'm not sure. Yeah. This was um, very little of them, and a lot of uh, you know Deepak Chopra being very spiritual and uh, mm-hmm. Elton being Elton. And um, I think they're going to really need to find a, a, a sort of hook to hang yes. the show on because after initial curiosity. Just being Meghan and Harry, that won't be enough to carry this on a weekly, monthly, year-to-year basis, I don't think. Mm, no, I agree. It's it's uh, like you say, and I, I'm sorry. I, I should have I should have praised Meghan more, really, because I agree mm. with you. She she is very smooth and very polished, and it does make you think. Well, why are you doing this, love? You know what? And actually, in a way, I think that's quite sweet that she and Harry kind of want to stick together. Really, I think that's you know, I I, I do that does warm my heart very slightly. I must admit. But yeah, like you say. 
I think all podcasts suffer from this to some extent. So this is not a thing that is unique to them at all. It's worth making that clear that when people say I'm going to do a podcast in the same way that people go, oh, you know, when people, when I say I present shows on the radio and people go, oh, well, that's I'm sure that's easy. You just talk, don't you? And it's like, no, you really don't. It's these things have to be very heavily formatted. And podcasts are exactly the same. I think a lot of people early on made the mistake of thinking if you just sit in a room and set up two microphones, then you can talk to each other or you can talk by yourself and make a podcast and you know they don't those ones didn't last very long they you know you have to have some level of structure to it you have to they don't have to be scripted but you have to have like you say a hook or an aim or or you know a, a subject that you want to talk about you have to have something about it and you know like like you say they have to have a hook. The, the initial curiosity i you know spotify have thrown all this money at them i do worry if everyone's it'd be, it'd be an acid test i worry if everyone's overestimating mm. what the public interest in them and their profile will be after the initial oh he was a royal but they've left the royal family i wonder how they'll get on once that has subsided I, you know, I do worry that everyone, including perhaps them, I don't know, might have overestimated, estimated what their public appeal is going to be afterwards, which is why, you know, I know that there have been lots of well-meaning people in royal columns across the press in the land saying this, but I, I hope it is a success to them. I, I hope that my initial gloomy assessment turns out to be wrong, because I do worry a bit for Harry as to what direction his life might take, if you see what I mean. Mm. So, so I'd be interested to see. Someone did make the the, the joke on Twitter I think it was over Christmas it really made me laugh they said oh I presume that um that the uh, that the last series of the crown is going to end with uh, George and Archie doing their podcast from a studio in LA and uh, and you know you do think wow yes that there maybe there is some there is some end goal or end game to this I don't know I mean I do I do wish them well with it and like you say Megan is an excellent presenter but I, I, they just need to find a way of making it relatable, I think, and it not being people over in sunny America sat in an air-conditioned studio with James Corden, who's on absolutely everything everywhere, telling me that they understand how difficult my life is. They've got to try and find a way of avoiding that. If they can pick people like George the Poet, he pick, picking, picking people like him makes me think maybe there is a chance that they could take this in a slightly more interesting direction rather than just, you know, here's Deepak Chopra, here's Elton John, you know, would be if they can pick good guests and find a way through it and Harry can find it can settle and be a bit more comfortable in who he is, then I think that might that, that there could be a future for it. But they're always going to be fighting they're gonna to have to build something good to overcome the fading off of the novelty factor, I think. If you want to give it a listen, it's on Spotify. Mm. You can easily just search for Meghan and Harry, but it's under their Archwell um, uh, kind of name, A-R-C-H-E. W-E-A-L-L Yes, this is their new brand, isn't it? Yeah. Thank you so much for being with us this week. Lovely to have you there. Yes, as always, our, our first day back in school after the uh, after the Christmas holidays. So it's been it's it's been very nice to be with you, Terence, as well as our oh, lovely listeners. Thank you. Uh, uh, ditto. Now, <laughs> Jules, if you're, I assume you're not flying to Washington for the inauguration. <laughs> so I assume you'll be here to present your radio show. Yeah, well, much like Donald Trump, I will not be attending. Um, <laughs> however, we will not be doing something together instead. I offered, but he wasn't no. interested. But oh, um, no, I will be. I will be. I know his loss. I will be uh, presenting my show this weekend, Smooth Sailing, um, seven to nine p.m. on Sunday evening. That will be Sunday the tenth. Like everyone, I've still yet to recover from that period where you don't know what day it is. So I was just trying to recalibrate that in my head. But yes, uh, we're recording this on Saturday the ninth. So Sunday the tenth, um, I will be doing Smooth Sailing. Two hours of really nice, um, just really lovely music, really. Just, you know, Yacht Rock, M.O.R., classic pop that sort of thing with me chatting in between and it's uh, you know I really enjoy doing it so if you go to mixler.com which is m-l-m-i-x-l-r mixler.com and search my name then you can find my channel and that will go live from 7 till 9 p.m if you sign up to the channel it'll tell you when I'm when I'm broadcasting live it sends you an email I think and it also um there's a show reel on there underneath the graphic which you can click and catch up on previous shows superb and a lesser known Kylie collaboration to play us out 
Yeah, this is an interesting one. I came across this, um, again, it still seems like all I did over Christmas was watch television, but that's actually pretty much true. Um, <laughs> and I was I was going through the BBC's iPlayer, and I had seen this, I think, previously. It's It came out in August 2018, I think, when she was on the rounds promoting her Golden Album. Um, and it probably would have been around then, I think. And it's it was this funny little programme. It's not very long, really. I think it's about half an hour. And it's called Real Stories, um, spelt R-E-E-L, um, and Kylie Minogue. And Kylie Minogue and Dermot O'Leary sit in I think it's called the Electric Cinema or it's it's some it's somewhere in London, one of those little kind of vintagey type cinemas. And it's them sat in the cinema when they show footage from Kylie Minogue's kind of record sort of career really TV and recording career and I found it quite sweet actually because she clearly hadn't seen a lot of the footage for a very long time they had a her doing a promotional film about Melbourne when she was very first in Neighbours and she looks I mean she looks about 14 I don't think she was much older than that and it and it took us through her it was quite a good run through of her kind of um career really and, and the things she was doing I mean it, it wasn't it didn't go into huge amounts of detail it does leave out entire decades at various points but um but it, it showed this and I've forgotten that Kylie went really quite alternative for a few years after the the the, the, the sort of the, the uh, Scott Stock Aiken and Waterman years she I think really, tr- much to her credit, did some really experimental and strange things before in the late 90s, they all decided when she joined Parlophone that she'd go pop again. And then she went on that incredible run of albums and, and singles that included Spinning Around and Can't Get You Out of My Head and, and had that sort of second wind. But she recorded this. She did a lot of guest vocals on things. This is her with an, an outfit called Tower Tay or Toa Tay. I'd never heard of them before. And this is so strange. She's singing... She seems to be singing about herself in font form, which is not words I thought I'd ever say about Kylie Minogue's tune. But it's it's really I like it. It's really it's it's really I suppose you could say if you wanted to be uncharitable, it is a bit of its time now if you listen to it in terms of late nineties dance music. But I think this is this is really unusual and really great fun. I think, and it was I I bought this as soon as I heard it on the thing because I just thought that is just so strange and and credit to Kylie Minogue who did manage to adapt to all of that music pretty well I think uh, this is Kylie Minogue and Toate and this is GBI brackets German bold italic close brackets you will like my sense of style 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 you will like my sense of style
You've been listening to a Parish Council production. Thanks, Mo. I'd like to say thank you on behalf of the group and ourselves. I hope we pass the audition.